if you, you know, didn't get love from your mom or your dad for whatever reason, like if your mom or dad like wasn't uh, like had health issues or was just like stressed out, like struggling with mental health, like we learned at a young age, like, oh, there's something wrong with me. And like, there's something wrong with me because I can't get loved the way I want to be loved. Wow, yeah. And so then like all of our relationships after that are just us replaying out this toxic pattern that we had with a parent. What is happening? Welcome back to your favorite podcast, the Gordai Podcast. I'm Michelle Haley, and I am joined by two unbelievably special people today. Jess and Jen join from Personality Playbook, and uh, we are going to psychoanalyze you, your relationship, all of your friends on this show. So if you're not ready to get triggered, sprint away and do not proceed. But if you're ready to grow, then wow, we have a show for you. Get ready. I'll see you inside. <laughs> so you could eat 50 oysters in one setting, you think? Easily. Straight up. What about you? Uh, you think how you much get? time do I have? Um, <laughs> you have an hour and a half. That's the average yeah. time of a date, right? About yeah. an hour and a half. That seems manageable. Two hours. Yeah. There's a woman in Atlanta, Georgia, who she made this TikTok. It is going so unbelievably viral. I will say, you never see the man in the TikTok, so I'm a little bit skeptical. But she said that he was like hounding her for weeks to like go out. And she's like, tonight I decided I had time. And they show up to this oyster bar. And they're just supposed to do drinks. She orders four dozen oysters. And he ends up leaving. <laughs> he ends up leaving the date. Like leaving her with the tab. And like I said, throughout the video, you never see him. But like she's slurping the oysters down. <laughs> I mean, if you're on your phone recording a TikTok on a date, I kind of feel like you deserve to get left. What do you mm. think? Mm. You think you should? What, what, what do you think? Yeah, I feel like it's a little disrespectful. Yeah, and your intentions aren't totally honest either. She curved him for so many weeks that it's kind mm. of his fault. I for continuing to show up. I think your sponsor at least deserves a shout out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't disagree with Hashtag that. tag your sponsor. Yeah, dude. <laughs> like, like it, I, I, I find this men's, um, when men start putting women on this extreme pedestal, and we'll start with the men side of things, because right now I showed you guys that um, reel that's just going insane, where all the hillbilly, low EQ men are just super triggered that I said, hey, let's be nice to women. <laughs> I'm not quite sure I disagree with anything in that statement. Men want to put these women on such a pedestal that it really sets them up for some failure, I feel. Um, I think there's a difference when there's a reciprocated balance of energy exchange and like you guys are in a committed relationship and like you're on a pedestal in some places, she's on the pedestal in some places because like, is anything really going to be 50-50? Like there's mm -hmm. always kind of going to be a leader in mm -hmm. one place or another of relationships. And I, you know, I'm not some relationship savant, which is why you guys are here, but I don't feel that everything's just 50-50 across the board. Like 50% of the time she initiates sex and 50% of the time he does, 50% of the time she cooks, 50% of the time he does, right? Like someone takes the lead. If you're chasing someone who denies you for weeks on weeks on weeks on weeks, 
that's probably not going to end well. What do you think? Yeah, I would uh I would think not. I mean, she's uh trying to play hard to get, which she's just doing for her own ego, mm-hmm. it sounds like. And she just is just trying to get like a little ego rub out of that. And yeah, it just it never works when you're putting someone on a pedestal. It never works because in the end the person comes crashing down because you realize that they're only human just like you. So, there's this thought process that I've heard other shows with psychologists, renowned psychologists talk about, where they say um, an uglier dude that gets the woman that's way out of his league. She is put on such a pedestal that eventually he's going to cheat. What do you Mm. think She's safe and secure. And he's never going to be able to quite fill this gap. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Have you experienced that? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's something to be said about dating out of your league, uh, lending itself to insecurities. Yeah. Do you, think, do you think it says that the person who's out of the other one's league might have some insecurities as well? How does that happen? Hmm. Yeah, I think there's like an element of like if you're searching for something outside of you to like fill a hole, like if you don't feel confident about the way you look and you're trying to get like that confidence about attractiveness from your partner, yeah. like that's that's like you putting some of your self-worth and confidence on something outside of you, mm-hmm. which you really don't have any control over. And that eventually will come crashing down. Seems like you get controlling too, maybe. Because this person's yeah. like out of your league and like, yeah, yeah. I want them like, to get too much attention because what if the attention drives them away from you? I think I definitely experienced that when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Very much so. I told you guys the story before we started about the girl mm-hmm. life at me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but luckily <laughs> no. you, you yeah. avoided it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I didn't get hit, but like she was definitely out of my league. Mm. She was definitely out of my league. And Do you then, think that's why the knife came at you? <laughs> <laughs> um the knife came at me because I cheated on her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, Did you cheat on her because she was out of your league? <laughs> um Sex was used as a manipulation tool. Mm. And I still have never quite fully unpacked that because it just seems like it's a part of my brain that um, is kind of like in one of those little locked away. Yeah, we're just not going to look at that right now. <laughs> yeah, it's just like um, I, I'm i not quite sure there's any scars I have from it, but maybe there are. You know, maybe there is some traumas that kind of come from getting a knife thrown at you by the first person you ever said I love you to. Um that that is not love. For anyone listening, if you're throwing knives at each other in a relationship, that is not love. I'm not sure what that is. But I mean at least you know you have good reflexes. So that's something that you got out of the relationship at least. <laughs> I did get that out of the relationship. You're right. So chat about what you guys are doing. Like what you guys are doing is revolutionary to me and I just want to hear more about it yeah yeah I would love to um well I think we are indirectly helping people not get knives thrown at them (laughs) (laughs) to be fair I did have a wine glass checked at my head once oh I had a laptop yeah (laughs) we went from a knife to a wine glass to a laptop (laughs) we've got more in common than we thought (laughs) this is incredible yeah yeah Um, may I ask the reason for for the wine glass (laughs) are we allowed to disclose that on the podcast yeah 
yeah, I was a teenager. I was We were at the end of our relationship and it was really turbulent and he was so angry at me. He chucked a wine glass right over my head mm. in the kitchen. Teenage dating. And you had good reflexes too. <laughs> well, did you get hit by the laptop? My Well, my laptop, I did not catch it, so it shattered and broke. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. And why did you get a laptop thrown at you? Uh, that is a long story. Okay. Uh, I was with a pretty narcissistic, manipulative person yeah. at the time. Mm. And that's kind of like been my toxic pattern to overcome. When someone has a pattern like that unfolding, are you trying to fix these people? Like, do you, do you feel like there's a chip or your ego's like, <laughs> like I can make this better? What's going on there? Yeah, I think I think we all have patterns, right? And like they all it all comes from childhood. Like that yeah. that's really where it comes from. Like when we when we are young, like from ages 0 to 6, we are in a completely subconscious state. So the relationship that we see unfolding between our parents, like that becomes our standard and we see that relationship without any filter. So like the bar you, is on the floor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so like if you you know, didn't get love from your mom or your dad for whatever reason. Like if your mom or dad like wasn't uh, like had health issues or was just like stressed out, like struggling with mental health. Like we learned at a young age, like, oh, there's something wrong with me. And like, there's something wrong with me because I can't get loved the way I want to be loved. Wow, yeah. And so then like all of our relationships after that are just us replaying out this toxic pattern that we had with a parent. And Tony Robbins typically says it's it's the parent whose love you wanted the most but didn't get. Ooh. Wow. So, I have some things deep. to unpack in that <laughs> one. Oh, boy. Um, mm. Father and I had a very strained relationship growing mm. up. It was um, just not great. In some positions, I was thrust into being the man of the house, and mm. it wasn't quite fair. I recently went home for Thanksgiving, first time since 2016 that I went back to Ohio for Thanksgiving mm. last week. Um, we went to dinner the night before. Um, my father and I, my stepmom, we went to dinner the night before. And I left that dinner and I called my best friend and I said, this is the closest I have ever felt to my dad in my life. This mm. is the most he's ever loved me. This is the most I've ever loved him. It's challenging because as females, I'm assuming you guys are very closely aligned with your mother's love and then father's like a protector. And like, that's a healthy, you know, relationship between a daughter and a father. My relationship, I was terrified of my father. You never knew what was coming next. And my mom really loved my sister a little bit mm. more than me. Mm. And that's a, you know, that's a <laughs> Something about it, though, it kind of drove me to be great in so many areas. Mm. And it's kind of the chip on my shoulder. So when you're talking about patterns and whatnot, what I struggle with, and I would love your guys' insight on this, there's patterns of overworking to overprove myself that are impactful to other people. And yes, it's likely detrimental to self. But if I view myself as someone who's kind of a servant to other folks, like I want people to come to this show, learn things about dating, mm -hmm. allow themselves to take a step back of their relationships that they might be in, really identify what's going on, and they'd be able to move forward in maybe a more healthy and educated manner. Mm -hmm. 
if I take on some traumas from my childhood that kind of unleashed during the show, then that's okay because it's helping other people, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a driver for me. If I fix this, if I fix that chip on my shoulder, that trauma point, what if I don't want to be super successful in podcasting and with fitness? Mm. Mm. I would say that you would be more successful. Oh, yeah. my goodness. <laughs> oh, here we go. Oh, I mean, really? I, yeah. I, I relate okay. with that a lot. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I, I might guess that your Enneagram might be a three. Yeah. A three is the achiever. I've been told that before. Yeah. When That's I achieve me. a task... Mm. <clears throat> then you'd get love and appreciation from your dad yeah. or your mom, right? Oh, yeah. 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 We won the game. I had a home run. Yeah. I scored 15 points. Yep. Struck yep. them out. Yeah. 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 Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that leaves an imprint. It's like, okay, that's how I get love. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my entire day is set up for task achievement now. Mm. The whole day. Yeah. So you're a three. You're yep. Enneagram three and you're a five. Yes. So what are characteristics of a five? Because you, you said every three needs a five and I need to find out if I have a five in my life. <laughs> you need a five in your life. All right. All right. Go ahead. T tell me yeah. about these characteristics. The Enneagram three and five make, I think, the best business combination on the Enneagram. Okay. Even if you go on the Enneagram official website, they say that pretty explicitly. Okay. Why is that? Enneagram fives are... The deep divers, they're called the investigators. They love knowledge. They love accuracy, small details, mm -hmm. but they don't like the limelight. They just want to hide and like hoard all their knowledge. Mm -hmm. And the threes sort of see this knowledge and they bring it to the light. Like, how can we capitalize on how this? How can we bring this to light? <laughs> how can we share this? How can we promote this? Mm. Oh, that is so me. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. fascinating. So... With all of the knowledge that you have, what's the outlet of impact? What's the drive for the knowledge for an Enneagram 5? Mm. Because you want to just hide away with it. Mm -hmm. So you're kind of just gaining it for self. Yeah, fives are um, minimalists, and they just rely on their intellect and their ability to gain knowledge as a way to stay safe in the world fascinating do you mm -hmm. feel like you're always like one or two steps ahead of other people <laughs> i would definitely say that yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah i feel like her brain like a five's brain just like thinks in a very unique way like it connects patterns in ways that that most people's brains don't quite go there like i actually we met at the beginning of the summer um well actually last spring mm -hmm. and we started we met at a friend's house and we just started nerding out about all of this stuff myers-briggs enneagram relationship psychology, attachment theory, all of it. I am going to briefly interrupt this podcast to ask you to leave a five-star review and rating on whatever platform you're listening in. If you do this and screenshot and send it to the Grower Die Instagram page, you are going to be entered to win a $100 Amazon gift card. We're going to be picking people every other week. And listen, the show gets like 10, maybe 15 reviews per week. So your odds are going to be pretty high in there. So if you do that for me, it would be an amazing help. Let's get back to the show. And um, I remember you weren't as versed on Myers-Briggs. Mm -mm. And so I was kind of educating you on it a little bit. But then literally like a week later, you came back and were educating me on it. Like, I feel like that is a five. When a five gets really excited yeah. about something, like they'll just go deep dive and like learn everything there is to know about it. 
And that's like a three's dream to work yes. with because I'm like, okay, how can we how can we make money from this? How can we capitalize <laughs> on it? How can we help share this information with as many people as possible? So talk about your learning process then. So you left that meeting early summer, you said? Early summer this yeah, year? Yeah, we met we met in this early like early spring, yeah. Early spring. And you weren't versed in Myers Briggs and you met the next week, you became versed in Myers Briggs. You just went home and you just Oh, I read like <laughs> 10 books. I'm not kidding. I Amazing. bought every single book I could find on it and read them all. Yeah, she turns her phone off. Like I know yeah. and I haven't heard from her from a while. Like she's just in her five brain mode. Absolutely fascinating. Um, when did you realize you just loved learning about relationships and psychology and the way that people coexist with one another? You know, I've always loved it. I've always been fascinated by it. But I went through a really painful breakup mm-hmm. and I just couldn't wrap my head around how two good well-intentioned people couldn't make it work. Mm. And it just led me down this rabbit hole of just searching for answers aggressively, like all night long, like can't sleep, just need to read more and find out, you know, what's, what, why. And I really did figure out why, um, but it led me on this sort of relationship, Enneagram Myers-Briggs rabbit hole. Amazing. Yeah. And now you guys help bring people together through personality matches. Mm -hmm. I mean, you guys are matchmaking via people's personality tests. Yeah. 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 Chat more about this. Yeah. Yeah. So um, our goal behind Personality Playbook, uh, I would say it's twofold. Yeah. One, we want to create a more intentional way of connecting like-minded people. So something more intentional than dating apps. Right. I think we can all agree that they're not necessarily the most efficient way to meet someone like-minded with similar values because it's really hard to get a read on someone's personality and their values and their vibe through some pictures. And I think we're all just sick of endless swiping and feeling like we are disposable. Mm. Um, And so on top of that, we also wanted to, like, we really believe that I guess she was alluding to that fulfilling relationships and self-awareness go hand in hand. So the more that you know about yourself and like what you actually want, like your true desires, your needs, the more authentically and vulnerably and honestly you can show up in a relationship. Mm -hmm. Like I feel like there are, you know, if you get into a relationship not knowing what's important to you, that's just a recipe for codependency yep. and toxic toxicity and jealousy. So how do you go through that work to identify what is important for you in a relationship? Yeah. So I think it's a lifelong one. I think it's, it's, it's ever a, changing. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, I think there are a lot of ways to learn about yourself, but I do think that the personality tests are like the Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram are a very useful and accessible tool for many people. Okay. So people will contact you guys to come to an event. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let me cut to the dating app chase of this. Mm-hmm. There has to be an aesthetic function. <laughs> you can't yeah. you can't be having, having I appreciate the honesty. Yeah. You know, yeah. ugly people show up to events <laughs> and expect that they're gonna leave with with dates. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have to know about it. I I have to know about this process. Like, how do yeah. you filter out the not aesthetically pleasing folks? 
Yeah, so we we do we do vet people. Yeah. So we do we have an application, and we have people include their photos, and we also ask them questions about their values and questions that help us figure out their personality. Okay. Uh, but yeah, then we do get people reaching out asking like why they weren't invited and. To be honest, if we just feel like we don't have a good match for them, like huh. someone that won't appreciate them for who they are, yeah. then I, I don't want to waste their time inviting them to an event where they're just not going to vibe with anyone. So men, if you're getting denied from these events, <laughs> 18 months in the gym, grow a beard, get a tattoo. I don't have any tattoos. Get a tattoo and then come back and let's see where things are at then. <laughs> You guys say, at Personality Playbook, our mission is to challenge the conventional narrative that romantic relationships have to be difficult, monotonous, and full of constant struggle and sacrifices. Yeah, people just hop into relationships and just accept it. They're yeah. just like, all right, this is it. This I'm is the one. It's going to work. <laughs> I'm accepted. And you just kind of make that your home, even when it's not super warm and fuzzy. Mm -hmm. And in a gram three, why is this? Five, why is this? My bad. You're three, you're five. <laughs> why is this? Um, I, I think we all settle in, like, or we have all settled in the past. Um, I know I have settled in the past in relationships that I knew were not for me. Mm -hmm. And there was a sense of fear of the unknown um, and not knowing myself well enough to know that the partner I had was a deal, had deal breakers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, I think through the Enneagram, Myers-Briggs, and like really sitting down with my values, have I been able to get to a place where I can evaluate a partner and their like long-term compatibility with me? The fear of the unknown. There's a risk and a gamble and a relationship that you have to have with accepting risk to be able to realize that what you're currently doing is not suitable long-term. That's extremely difficult for people to cross that bridge. I think more so women than men mm -hmm. because you want to have control over everything. Because what if I'm not accepted in the dating scene? Because what if it actually doesn't get better than this? I have this theory and I would love to hear what you think about it, Jen. Mm -hmm. I have a theory of if you're thinking about it, it's probably best to like move on if the mm -hmm. thought comes in your head that mm -hmm. hmm, you know what mm -hmm. maybe it could be better out there well I, actually I, I guess that that could actually be kind of a toxic pattern that i've done in the past is mm -hmm. the peek behind the curtain and like see what else is out there when you're in a perfectly fine situation because the grass the neighbor's grass is always greener right mm -hmm. but there's an element of just maybe stepping into that unknown that I think a lot of people could benefit greatly from because arguably the most important decision you make in your entire life is who are you going to spend your life with? Who are you going to accept to be your greatest influence for the rest of your life? Who are you going to reproduce with? You're going to have a child with this person. You're going to raise a child with their values, mm. with their morals their personality, the way that they go about their life and people settle for something that is less than. 
that just doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense when you look at how, like, I feel like humans were just designed to, like, run away from pain and run towards pleasure, right? So, like, being being alone can be, it can be lonely, it can be painful. So I think there is, there is a pattern of a lot of people just jumping into a relationship and, yeah, settling because, like, at least I'm not alone. At least I have someone to, like, watch Netflix with now. Um, but, yeah, I think... And, and you were alluding to this, like, like there are like relationships are always going to be hard. Like the nature of being in a relationship is difficult work because like being single is alone. Like when you're single, you don't have to account for the reperc- repercussions of your selfish, unconscious behavior. Mm. Right. But like when you're in a relationship with someone, I love the saying that relationships are mirrors. They're mirrors for all of the places that we still have. Um, you know, some opportunities to grow. Um, and I think there, there will always be triggers in relationships. And so the key is learning how to work through those triggers with your partner, mm. right? And that's a big part of what we teach about in Personality Playbook with our coaching clients. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so for example, like let's say for the Myers-Briggs, like, Let's say you have an extroverted feeler and a um, an introverted thinker. Maybe they're having a fight. Okay. And let me let me give examples to these. So, like the extroverted feeler. So Taylor Swift is okay. an extroverted okay. feeler. Okay. <laughs> yeah, she's an ESFJ, I believe. Okay. And so let's say she's in a relationship with. Um, so an introverted thinker would be like. Elon Musk. Well, she would never be in a relationship with him. Let, let's let's say that Let, Travis. That's, this is a fun. <laughs> this is a fun scenario that we can use. Taylor Swift and Elon, and Elon Musk. Musk. Okay. <laughs> okay. So we have the feeler and the thinker, and they're in a relationship together. Yeah. And let's say that uh, they are having a fight over doing the dishes. Mm-hmm. So Taylor Swift is feeling like she has been doing the dishes all of the time and she's sick of it and she's feeling underappreciated. And as an extroverted feeler, she's going to go talk to all of her friends about it and complain about how she's feeling underappreciated. Or maybe she'll go write a song. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And then Elon Musk, the introverted thinker, he's going to be like, okay, as a thinker, let me come up with a practical solution to this problem. So let me start to count how many times I did the dishes today and how many times Taylor Swift did the dishes today. And then he's going to send Taylor Swift a text saying like, hey, hun, uh, just so you know, you did the dishes twice this week. I did the dishes twice this week. So it is your turn, but I will do it next time. Mm -hmm. So he thinks he is providing a beautiful solution. But Taylor Swift is going to read that text and be like, and just feel like, what are you talking about? Like, you're not having any respect for how I feel underappreciated right now. Because as a feeler, like, we're both feelers. Mm -hmm. Like, emotions can, they can be overpowering sometimes, right? And we're not thinking clearly. Mm -hmm. And so, like, a feeler would find that to be very cold. And the thinker is going to be like, why can't this feeler just get her emotions under control? Yes. There's a super viral TikTok video about this exact thing right now. This man mm. is speaking about if you want your woman to like go to another level of loving you, realize she's feeling. She's going to feel. And you, we men aren't really wired to feel that way. Mm. Yet, if you can develop your empathetic intelligence Hmm. 
which I think is kind of a byproduct of emotional intelligence. If you can get this up to par for your woman and she comes to you with the dishes and you can empathize with her and then communicate with her in proper tonality and communicate with proper body language, Mm. then she's going to love and appreciate you and feel so much safer around you. Mm. So this is fine and well, but Jess, the issue here is men don't, men don't learn this. Men aren't taught this. This, I have a saying that when you're a 25 year old man, you have been taught happy, anger, and arousal. Mm-hmm. There's nothing else that you've been taught as mm-hmm. far as emotions go. Mm-hmm. Well, you're you're 25, like you you know you made it through college, you got a job, you've like had some girlfriends, you've got friends. Like men don't really want to change their belief system, which you know we see that in the Instagram reel that I showed you guys before. They don't want to stop being mean to women. So so. I mean, how do you bring this into your self-awareness spectrum and you really decide, you know what, I do lack emotional intelligence. I shut empathy out when it feels like it's attacking me. I, I want to reframe this to open my door, my soul, my heart into allowing these emotions to come in and be vulnerable. In my opinion, it's getting really in touch with your feminine energy and being mm. able to meet people where they're at. Men just don't do that, though. <laughs> so <laughs> where do we go? <laughs> yeah, we've been so, blessed. The clients we have are so, very in touch. Men who reach out to you guys, absolutely, yeah, they, they have to. They're be. so in touch. We have amazing clients. But if one wasn't, what would you guys do? Uh, I mean, we we would not work on them one on one, but we are creating a lot of content for men like this um, content about, yeah, developing. I mean, empathy is something that can be taught, right? Like learning to um, like understanding like a big part of what we do with our coaching is just understanding that your partner is a different person. Like they are they are seeing the world differently from you. Like their perception of reality is actually totally different from you. Like, you know, like when two people have a conversation, two different versions of reality are are being had, right? So it's about like coming back together, still like staying, you know, s- sticking true with like your needs, but being able to also like, yeah, see the other person's perspective. But yeah, I agree. There are a lot of people out there not willing to do that. And they just want to blame the fact that they are single and alone on on women and, you know, like these these men that you were talking about. I mean, intimacy, it can be defined as like a shared reality. When you share a reality with someone, you are building intimacy. You see things the same way. You troubleshoot a problem the same way. You are sharing this co-created reality and creating intimacy. And when you don't see things the same way due to personality differences or traumas, you are fracturing your realities and you are creating disconnect and intimacy. You have just given me a new way to view intimate. You are talking like emotional intimacy, problem-solving intimacy. You're not talking sexual intimacy. Mm -hmm. You're talking all of the Mm -hmm. facets that make a romantic relationship be able 
to work. Yeah, and when you tell your partner, I don't see it that way, you're wrong, you're fracturing that sense of shared reality and that intimacy that you share. Yeah, you're closing the door. You're closing the door. The simple act of just listening and holding space and going, I can see how you could see it that way from your perspective, continues to keep the bridge of intimacy alive. How do you know if you're holding space for your partner? You're listening. Listening is a magical thing. And you're not thinking about what you're going to say next. I feel like a lot of us think we're listening, but we're actually in our heads. I mean, preparing what cool thing we're going to say next. So you bring up a a funny point, and I want to come back to this loop after. One of the things I struggle, not struggle, one of the things that I actually love the most about this like being a host of a show is when I get to have like really, like we're kind of starting to get into some emotional stuff here mm-hmm. where like some people are really thinking and I'm thinking, so you got, you're saying this with the intimacy and I'm like going through some things like, Oh my goodness. Like, yeah. There's some places that I can be better. I'm such a problem solver. Mm-hmm. I love solving problems. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it to me. Let's go. Mm-hmm. So Spoken like, like a true three. Yeah. So like <laughs> five. you guys, five you guys are saying this and I have to come up with the next awesome question while also I'm trying to work through some mm. stuff over here. Mm-hmm. So after every show, I journal. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, mm-hmm. Long journaling session uh, just to leave the emotions on, you know, on paper that I can revisit back later. Um, but you're so right. People just listen to say what, ever awesome cool comeback to get them one step ahead there's this competition culture that we have now and people aren't even that competitive it's just kind of ego driven Mm. there's this competition culture of well let me protect myself by maybe putting you down where all of the innovation that's really ever been done in the world has been done by like conjoining arms with somebody next to you and like making you know, moves forward. To a lot of people listening to this show, innovation needs to happen in their romantic endeavors because what they've done, the patterns that they've exuded, likely aren't yielding them the result that that they would like to have. Maybe what's desirable, the dream outcome. So now we have to identify patterns and we have to shift the way that we operate when these patterns come about, but it's so uncomfortable and there's so much resistance. How do we dive into shifting a pattern? Oh, there's a lot there. (laughs) There. Yeah. Especially these patterns that we've had our whole life, right? Like you said, you're 30 years old. Like that's 30 years of of patterns there to, to decondition. You guys, I'm going to interrupt the show really quickly to tell you about the Grow or Die Facebook group that is jam-packed with knowledge. Not only am I going to be having guests from the Grow or Die page come in there and talk exclusively to you guys, we are going to share tons of information about sex, about relationships, about mentality, about wealth, about health that we are going to continually be building upon. And it is a literal one-stop shop for continuing self-improvement in the areas of your life and bedroom, your wallet, and the way that you see yourself and see the world. So 
please join the free Grow or Die Facebook group. A ridiculous amount of value in there. Let's get back to the show. And yeah, it's a lot of it is it's all patterns that we uh, took on from childhood when our brain was in that subconscious state. And the subconscious mind like rules 90% of our life. Like all of our actions and behaviors are 90% of that is driven by emotions and, and thoughts in our subconscious brain. So we're not even conscious of it. Um, so I'd say it's there. I think there are a lot of ways to do it. Like in my coaching practice, like meditation, mantras, hypnotherapy, like I could go on about all of those different modalities. But I think in general, the first step is, is awareness and humility and acceptance <laughs> and like not beating yourself up for that pattern showing up yet again mm -hmm. like realizing like it's okay like this is a thing like this took th this has been my thing for 30 years so it might take me another year or two to completely dismantle this pattern but it also just all starts with the power of thought mm -hmm. right like we our thoughts create our reality mm -hmm. i am a big big proponent of that I also think being in an intimate relationship, if you're with the right person, they will hold space and lovingly call out your patterns. Mm -hmm. That goes back to the mirror, you know, mm -hmm. theory you have. Mm -hmm. Like, I think Jen and I both call out each other's shadows in such a loving space and um, just in hope, like, trying to elevate each other to the yeah. next level. That's a very empowering trait to have in social uh, professional and romantic partnerships. I take a lot of pride that my, my group, we are good at that. We can be better, but we are good at that. Mm -hmm. At first, it's very challenging to start those conversations. Hey, you're lacking. <laughs> this is what's going on. I've had to learn empathy in my communication skills mm -hmm. for these things. Um, I want to be told Justin, this isn't very good. This is what you need to do to get better. Yeah. Other, other people don't really work that same way. <laughs> they don't want to be communicated with mm -hmm. like that. Um, when you guys have something pop up, how's the communication? How's the communication look? Mm -hmm. Oh, it's so soft. I, <laughs> it's I, so gentle. I can imagine. I oh, can it's imagine. such a gentle thing. I feel yeah. the extreme feminine energy that you like both have. And I'm like, I bet it's just so loving and caring when you communicate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, it's honestly like working together has been such a dream, honestly. Yeah. And stuff has come up. Um, but when it does come up, I feel like we've we've said like, hey, I've noticed this. Like, what can I do to support you right now? And also, I feel like the fact that we just know so much about each other's Myers-Briggs and Enneagram like, I, I know that like, like, so my, I'm a J in Myers-Briggs and a three. So I, you know, the core wound of the three is I'm only loved for what I can produce. So like, that's a, so like in an unhealthy time, if I'm stressed, like I just really want to produce and I want to be decisive and I want to get things done. But I know if I'm like too kind of like controlling and I'm like, just like, get this done, get that done, get this done. And she's in her five brain mode, which is like all about wanting space and, and autonomy. Time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So that self-awareness, I feel like, has just really helped us work well together, which is why I would totally recommend that all business partners 
look at their other business partners, Enneagram and Myers-Briggs. Yeah, yeah. I wish I would have linked up with you guys about a year ago. It's <laughs> before we dive down that hole. Are you loved for who you are? Or do you love you for who you are? Or do you love you for what you do for others? I recently heard this on a podcast mm-hmm. and it really, in mm-hmm. my gut, just mm-hmm. socked me in there. And since then, I've kind of started questioning my take on happiness. I feel happy. Um, I think I'm a positive energy because the people that I'm attracting and the opportunities I'm attracting are very positive in nature. So I I think there's an element of happiness with that. But as you understand, every avenue of my life, I'm a leader that is continually providing for everyone Mm -hmm. around me who are all fully reliant on me to be able to continue pushing forward. So it's something I've been struggling with recently. Do I love me for who I am or do I love me for being able to do what I do for other people? Have you struggled with that? Uh, yeah, I would say, yeah, I struggled with that big time. Like with, uh, you know, three in particular, the the Enneagram three, uh, only feels loved for what it can produce because, um, like, I, I didn't like myself. Like, I didn't like myself at all, at all growing up. Yeah. And so I was just like, well, how can I just get external validation? How can I just um, do things that I think other people want me to do? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, like, how can I just keep doing things for other people so that I continue to get other people's approval? Yeah. And so yeah, that's been a big journey for me. Is just yeah, learning to love myself. And I feel like when you, I mean, both can be true. We can love ourselves and what we do for others, right? But if you if you don't love yourself, if you don't fill up your cup first, then you're not going to be able to show up as fully for your loved ones and your friends and your network. Yeah, it's a continual conundrum that I'm sort of staring down the barrel of a loaded gun. <laughs> it feels like um, it, it's part of the lonely phase potentially mm-hmm. of when you're really like kind of making moves towards like leveling up and you're just kind of alone a little bit more. I'm a very social person, mm-hmm. but I think more recently I've probably been a bit more like you. I just, I want to be alone. I want to read. I want to learn. I want to. I want to be in full autonomy of what's going on Mm -hmm. within my little bubble and Mm -hmm. my little energy. We've talked at length about enneagram threes and fives. There's eight, nine Nine of them total. Can we chat about one through nine outside of three and five? Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, What do we want to? What's the character? Start with one. <laughs> yeah, we'll start with one. So one's the uh, they're they're called the perfectionist, mm. and ones are uh, they fear being bad or wrong or incorrect, okay. and they go to great lengths to ensure that they do the right thing. They're very principled. We can always pick out ones. <laughs> Is there an example of like a well-known one hmm. that you can think of? Oh, I mean, well, I think of like, uh, you know, Brie from like that Housewives show. 
I don't, but I bet some of the listeners. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know. Uh, whatever that show is called. But like, um, yeah, someone, I mean, one's just like their hair is perfect, their face is perfect, they're their poised. dress perfectly. That's yeah, very poised. You never see them messy. They take nice. their car to the wash every like, two like, weeks. Like first lady types. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh. Clothes are always irons, like looking nice. Yeah, that is not me. Yeah, me either. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that sounds stressful. Yeah. It would yeah. be a full-time job just being alive yeah. at that point. Fascinating. Yeah. All right, what, what about a two? Uh, the helper. Twos are helpers. They love to be selfless and help others. Uh, people pleaser? Mm-hmm. Extreme oh. people pleaser. Would all people pleasers be a two? No. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Okay. Yeah, I'd say, I'd say we all have a little bit of people-pleasing tendencies yeah. in us. But yeah, twos, like at their core, think that they receive love by helping someone. Mm. But then the unhealthy side of that is they can get resentful, resentful mm. if they're yeah. giving without receiving. Yeah. Ah, okay. Oh, yeah. that can turn toxic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe they have a higher standard for others than what others are able to show up with because they're presenting so much. Do mm-hmm. you find that be a common issue with twos? Yeah, my sister's yeah. a two. Ah, okay. What about fours? Uh, fours, the individualist. Um, fours are like the artists of the world. Oh, yeah, not me. They are, um, they feel the full range of the human emotion spectrum. Um, <clears throat> and um, their fear is abandonment and feeling like something's missing, and they're always on this quest to find this missing element uh, in themselves. And they feel that they have to be different yes. to be noticed and, yeah. and loved. They're all so, individualists, like all yeah. snowflakes, not in, a, in yeah. a bad way, just they're all so different and unique. And they all love meeting each other. Fours love meeting other fours. So ultra-creative. Mm-hmm ultra empathetic maybe ultra expressive i'm thinking of someone who's really tatted up yeah yes yeah who's like an artist yeah yeah like deep and moody maybe yeah yeah yeah. a little goth maybe yeah Yeah. cool okay yeah um the fear of abandonment would lead to a rather anxious attachment style yes yes it doesn't pair well with a five I speak from experience. Oh, <laughs> yeah, how does that show up? Yeah, uh, the the fear of abandonment the four has will kind of manifest itself by testing their partner, which is fine, mm-hmm. you know, for some other enneagrams. But for a five, when they're tested by their partner uh, for attachment and like reaching out anxiously, the five will withdraw, mm. almost creating an anxious avoidant, you know, uh, cycle. Okay, it can be a little toxic. Okay. Chat about six. The loyal, the loyalist, the good person. Mm. Yeah, they're very dependable, really good friends. Um, yeah, they get like their love and self worth from from being a reliable friend. Very cool. Yeah, but they yeah. can be very um, needy, fearful of life in general. They have a fear of life and need things pre communicated ahead of time. They do not like surprises or spontaneity. Yeah, and they take uh, they can take rejection really, really heavily. Okay. Um, but they're really, really good friends. Yeah. Really lovely people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My best friend growing up was a six. Okay. Yeah. I'm an ultra spontaneous person, so I'm not sure how well I would pair. <laughs> yeah. With so a threes, six. threes and six, you don't usually see together. You don't usually see eights and sixes together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like where the compatibility comes in, like each type has a healthy version and an unhealthy version. So most 
healthy types could be together, but they might just have um, just more areas for potential growth. Like, for example, an eight is, is the challenger. So I think we skipped a couple. Okay, we'll, we'll go back to the seven. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So my Hit partner seven. is a, a seven, the enthusiast. Okay. The rose-colored glass-wearing spontaneous adventuresome um (laughs) this i think this might be my second one this might this this will be my number two yeah this is very fun loving yeah playful super optimistic yes like ultra optimistic yes i'm delusionally optimistic (laughs) life is here for my fun and enjoyment yes yeah and i'm just like here for a great time yes yeah absolutely yeah Oh, that's so fun. Yeah. And there's a fear of like not having enough fun. Yeah. <laughs> and and sitting yeah. in pain, they don't like to sit in pain. They just, um, they'll just distract themselves by filling up their calendar Monday through Saturday. Yeah, they can be very extroverted. So a lot of ENFJs and ENF- ESFJs will also be sevens as well. Yeah, yeah, I've been told I'm an ENFJ. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, well, now I have some more questions. <laughs> <laughs> So they don't like to sit and feel pain. Correct. Yeah, sitting in discomfort. I process pain a bit too quickly. Mm. Um, How do you process pain? Now I just breathe through it. Mm -hmm. I sit there complete, uh, just with my dog, in a completely silent place. And I just breathe. Um, mm. like I'll do typically box breathing really has been my favorite, although I forget what the one is called. It's like super fast and ferocious. Like, <laughs> you know, like, and, like lion's breath. Or, yes. Yeah. Lion's breath. And so I breathe in good and then I exhale the bad, like loud exhales. Yeah. And I literally think about the exhale coming out. That sounds like a very healthy, that sounds like you sitting with your pain. Yeah. Like but, yeah. Healthy. Okay. Maybe it is. Do you feel the, like it helps? Why I feel like it could be negative is because let's say there's, let's say me and someone had a painful something and they're wallowing in it. And I'm like 10 minutes later, like, I'm good. Like my view is life is going on and like, I'm either with it or like, I'm getting left behind. It's kind of the essence of grow or die. Like yeah. I, I, I got to get my shit together and I got to go because people are lying on me. I got tasks to complete. So I process it. Like I feel it. I allow myself to, but like. It's fast, mm. but I feel good with it. And my communication, I, I know has been really good in these situations based on feedback I've gotten, maybe has been, but. Well, does the problem keep showing up or? No. Um, so I have a friend who has really helped me identify all my patterns. Mm. By friend, I mean like the woman that I moved down here with and the first person I ever fell in love with. Mm. And we're like, <laughs> we're still really good friends to this day. Like, thankfully. We didn't talk for four years right now. It's like all So you back. dated? We dated. So yeah. did, did she help you identify those patterns in your relationship? Yes. Mm-hmm. Since, since like we've been back in each other's lives, she has helped me like destroy all of my patterns. <laughs> um, yeah, actually, I you guys would love her. She's here in Austin. Mm, that's her name's Megan. Yeah. She is. She's really helped me, like, really work through those things. Yeah. Uh, like I communicated earlier, if someone just brings something up, and then we can have a conversation about where this is showing up, oh, I'm going to work through it. 
Um, yeah. I want to I want to be like the most well-rounded human that I possibly can. Mm. And so man, she just delivers it so phenomenally. Yeah. Uh, yeah, she's super gifted. But yeah. I, I can talk about that woman forever. But, <laughs> <laughs> but she, she's amazing. Yeah, that's the power of partnership, right? Yeah. There. Yeah. 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 That's like the power of I mean, yeah, grow or die podcasts, right? Mm, like really the is. most powerful tool for growth is being in a relationship with someone yeah. like you know I was talking about really? hypnotherapy and meditation before but like I've done a lot I've done a lot of different modalities and like you know there's a lot of people doing a lot of things out there like meditation and plant medicine ceremonies cold and, plunging and yeah, <laughs> yeah like yeah. all the things yeah but like the most powerful tool for growth and transformation and demolishing those patterns those self-sabotaging patterns is being in relationship with someone because that relationship is a beautiful, perfect mirror for all of the shit that you haven't looked at in a while and haven't been wanting to look at. And love <laughs> is such a powerful motivator. If you really love somebody, you feel motivated to face those patterns and face those um those issues that are coming up in the relationship for the betterment of the relationship and to keep your partner happy. I've never thought about a romantic relationship in that manner. Um, I recently had two. They're they're together. I had them on the show separately, though. Um, John and Amanda. Uh, they're like leaders of the polyamory community. Like, oh, yeah. They are amazing, amazing freaking humans. Um, when you say that a relationship is going to be a mirror view, it's going to tell you everything that you need to work on exactly where you're at right now then this drives me into thinking about how well-equipped is mon a monogamy relationship to handle your evolution as a human? Mm -hmm. What if you work through everything together? What if there's nothing more that this person can identify in you? What if the mirror is presenting things to you that now you change and work through mm -hmm. and now it's not yeah now maybe you're just growing growing in two different directions which is also a beautiful thing that you were able to help each other grow and get to a point that you realize that yeah being together this has been a beautiful experience we learned a lot but yeah maybe where we want to go in life is now different based on um how much we've grown and where we are now yeah. But yeah, I think they're... Fours absolutely hate you right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're, you're a fast learner. <laughs> yeah. That's the same thought process I've had with relationships and why I'm like a 30-year-old bachelor in Austin because I'm like, I'm I'm learning things from people. I'm yeah. Yeah. becoming equipped with tools and I'm I'm equipping with tools and whatever the purpose is oh, yeah. like i i'm proudly now very before i make this statement i do need to confirm <laughs> this statement with myself real fast <laughs> i appreciate I'm that honesty pretty anti-hookup culture now as well mm -hmm. you can't teach me anything there yeah you can't you have sex with one with a person one time and it's your first time having sex with somebody. It's not like you're going to like do these things that maybe you do some things that have never been done, but it's not this like intimate experience. 
it's transactional mm-hmm. and an ex- and I, I don't I don't want transactional relationships. I've had plenty of those in a multitude of areas in my life. You you grow up and you want to like have I guess the intimacy is kind of intimacy what for yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, I am a fast learner. <laughs> and I would say I'm rather anti-hookup culture, but this is where my long-term beliefs of romanticism really come to a halt is like how am i going to be a one person forever i'm i grow mm. fast like i'm mm. constantly chasing more 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 and i don't want to hurt people i don't want to let people down mm. i don't want to have someone invest their whole life and everything they have into me just like well now it's gone yeah yeah i relate with that a lot um i think that that's a common thing that threes feel right because yeah. we're so growth driven yeah. But there are a lot of threes out there, right? So I think the key so is three finding... So date each other, and then one day you're just like, all right. <laughs> Actually... <laughs> like it's been real. I mean, three threes do work well together, yeah. yeah. Threes and eights work well together, threes and sevens. Well, there's... we haven't gotten to an eight yet. So, oh, yeah. So who's an eight? I, and by the way, I've dated a seven. Yeah. Um, and she... Did you guys never talk about your feelings? <laughs> so listen, <laughs> that's my best friend on this planet. My mm-hmm. like, So Megan, who I moved here with, know what she would be then her and i broke up then i dated my now best freaking friend and her name is also megan she (laughs) comes in town this weekend she comes in on friday she is the most energetic person of all time Mm -hmm. optimist Mm. hey i'm bored like do we've been sitting down for two minutes like (laughs) she is ready to go to the life of the party we worked beautifully together we were so well together. And now she's dating another three and he's mm. awesome. Mm. And like, they have a beautiful relationship working. So I can very much so attest to the threes and the sevens working yep. well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 There's a very <laughs> similar energy there. But you said threes and eights work well together is also, what's an eight? Uh, eights are the boss or the challenger, right? Yeah. Yep. The boss. Challenger, yeah. Um, it, they, their core f- fear is um, being vulnerable they like to be tough and um, protective of their inner circle. Yeah, and they're very passionate. Uh, they like to do things differently. Like, do they like to challenge norms? Yeah, they're usually very successful. Like entrepreneurs, CEOs are usually an eight or a three, but eights as well. Yeah, so that's why the the threes and eights do well together. Like, they're kind of very like success success oriented. Yeah. Eight is a very stereotypical masculine enneagram, and statistically kind of speaking, eight because I am wildly protective. Yeah, you, they you feel eight, high on three, seven, eight. Insane. Yeah. Passionate. They mm. have this like small core group of people. Eights do, and they just are super protective of them. But like when their guard is down, they're goofy and yeah. easygoing and like funny. Yeah. Um, eights and twos usually mask male eights tend to marry female twos. That's a very common combination okay. statistically. Speaking. Okay. Interesting. Remind me of a two again. Uh, the helper. So you think of a masculine protective yeah. eight and a sweet, helpful, loving nurturing. Two. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. It just yeah. that would be that would, <laughs> Megan, who I talked about, who I'm mm-hmm. not here with. That yeah. would be she would absolutely be a two. That's yeah. so yeah. funny. Yeah. Okay, what's a nine then? A peacemaker. Yeah. Peacemakers, they kind of call them like the head of the Enneagram because they have a lot of uh, characteristics from several parts of 
the Enneagram 8 through 1. And their whole uh, thing is creating peace, making peace, keeping everything harmonious, all relationships. And they sort of meld to whatever (laughs) relationship. That makes me anxious thinking about I don't have friends that are nines. (laughs) Nines are amazing. I love nines. (laughs) Nines, I bet you're great. (laughs) Yeah. It's not my cup of tea. (laughs) They're people pleasers. Um, Nines... Uh, have a lot of growth to do when it comes to just sitting down and going, what's important to me? Who am I outside of my relationships? Because they just lose themselves so quickly in them. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, they, nines typically. Yeah, they tend to do better with, they have more of like the six energy. <laughs> nines like can six. go with anyone. Oh, really? <laughs> Pretty much. Kind of like a chameleon a bit. Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, fascinating. Yeah. Okay. But I feel like they tend to be happier, like, healthier with like six like a six and a nine would be a healthy combination yeah okay um because yeah i feel like there are plenty of unhealthy combinations out there where there's maybe like an eight like taking advantage <laughs> taking advantage of a nine uh, yes yes <laughs> um and those that would types be of dynamic to do. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah i've definitely been that eight before mm-hmm. for sure um would you say if we're looking at more narcissistic traits, eights probably have the most like viable traits that are on like that narcissist spectrum in terms of control and power and and lack of empathy and all of that stuff. Narcissism's interesting because it can really exist on, on any personality type. Oh, really? That's yeah. fascinating. Yeah, it's a, more of a personality disorder. Yeah. I mean, probably less with the nine and the less than nine six and the two. two but <laughs> yeah. I feel like I could see it. I could see it in all of the other ones. Yeah. Oh, fascinating. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, you're spot on with like, yeah, eights being more of, like eights also tend to be ENTJs in the Myers-Briggs, which is the commander. So ENTJs are like, a lot of them are the head of businesses and CEOs because they are great at being decisive and and getting things done, maybe sometimes at the expense of, of someone's feelings. Yes. Yes. And it's interesting how the Enneagram also plays out like sexually. Okay. That and was my next question. It does. I want to know how it this does. plays out in bed. It does. Oh, it's a whole Who thing. Who are three sevens and eights fucking? <laughs> each other. Asking for a friend. I'm just asking for a buddy. Each other. Those ones. The most each other. other. Yeah. 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 The That's most. That's so funny. Oh my God. That's hilarious. Each other. Yeah. Each yeah. other. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say like, you know, like sixes probably wouldn't be in that combination. Like a six and an eight, like sixes can be, are like soft, softer, um, like an eight would probably be kind of like more dominating yeah, and that might yeah. be uncomfortable for a six being the loyalist. Yes. They just have a softer and more nurturing energy. Okay. Sixes and ones usually like soft touch and more like sensual, whereas like eights can be kind of aggressive and firm-handed and Firm-handed. Yeah, I've listened to a lot of podcasts on this. <laughs> no, like, that's great more, terminology. <laughs> you know, uh, when if six or if eights, eight and a six are in a relationship, there's, you know, I've listened to several podcasts about this. Um, you know, they have to sort of bridge over this discrepancy in, in what they like. Um, eights can be a little more like domineering and aggressive and sixes are more soft. yeah. And like they can still work better together, but that's that's where the key is. It's just about like appreciating each other's differences and that we might want different things. And, and fives are the low key, like least whatever. expected freaks. Really? <laughs> 
Threes are performers. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And fours are very sexual as well. They're super sexual creatures. It's all that pain and depth. Yeah. They're very creative people. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. My life experience is cultivated to me speaking very confidently that fours are definitely... um, I mean, if you're creative in one area of life, you're going to be creative everywhere in life. So I would say a lot of my um, sexual growth, innovation happened with fours. Mm. Very much so. Let's try this. Oh, that looks fun. (laughs) More Fifty Shades of Grey type stuff like Mm -hmm. happens with the fours. Um, So... The soft touch, the they basically just want to be like made love with, rather than like intense. Or the six- firm-handed <laughs> love. Sixes, this is like things pre-communicated. So okay. if you want to do something, just pre-communicate it with a six, so you can think about it. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad that you brought that up. I, my friend group, when they hear this, is going to lol. <laughs> <laughs> I love meeting new people and making new connections. Mm. I love it. My Now I love it because my intentions are so good. I remember when I loved it, but my intentions weren't good. And there was this cloud that I walked around with of like, oh, man, you're really like playing people. Like you're really using people. Mm. But um, I think having charisma is an absolute superpower in this world when you know how to use it correctly. And like I have walked up to – tables of women just by by myself out with friends and within minutes we are having a full-on conversation about sex not because i'm gonna hook up with them not because like they're gonna hook up with me we're just chatting about sex because i love that's a fascinating topic every Mm -hmm. one of us at this table has vastly different experiences and we like vastly different things and you think your your our relationship with it is there's not a ton of similarity person to person as it pertains to to sex. And I, I think that the subject is epic. But for me, like being a large dude coming up with this voice and like, they never forget me. <laughs> you guys remember that time that dude just came up and started talking about sex? <laughs> well, you're also a you're also an ENFJ. You yeah. have a lot of three NUs. ENFJs are they're they're the protagonists. They're they're very charismatic. Like you make yeah. people feel safe. Like yeah. I would say that that's also why they felt so comfortable talking yeah. about it with you. And I think that it's absolutely fascinating to get other people's like opinions and viewpoints on it. Mm-hmm. All that to be said. I feel like it's to a point where you can almost stereotype people because you just understand psychology and you've maybe had to make um, experiences with so many people, like not even, not, not even like one-on-one sexual experiences. You guys work with a lot of people. When you guys meet someone, like it's got to be difficult to not be like running through your head. Oh, that's yeah. all we do. Yeah. Yeah. I view the world much differently than we definitely view the world much differently than the average person. Okay. How do you yeah. think an average person views the world? I have my thoughts. <laughs> I, I, it, it's just like Jen's got some thoughts. To show. Let's hear them. How, how's the average person view the world? Uh, I could go so many different ways there. Uh, slightly unconscious. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of. Yeah, slight unconsciousness. 
Yeah, I think it's a lot, a lot of, there's a lot of unconsciousness, right? And I think there's a lot of, yeah, victim mentality out there. Like that's a whole, oof. Yeah, we love that. It gives (laughs) us something to blame because then if we can blame it, we have control over it. Yeah, yeah. And it's way easier to blame something outside of us Mm -hmm. than to actually take responsibility for how we actually contributed to the situation. Yeah. So with this, most people likely have no clue what they actually want. Yeah. As it pertains to, I feel like sexually kind of more than anything. Well, before I moved to Austin, I lived in Columbus. Mm-hmm. Austin's very sexually expressive. Mm-hmm. So like it's much more normal here to like have conversations about it. I really feel like middle of the world America just kind of like views sex as penetration. <laughs> <laughs> not not actual intimacy. Mm-hmm. Um, you made a comment earlier about your teenage relationship got a like wine glass thrown at you and stuff. Mm-hmm. Young men only view sex as penetration. Mm-hmm. Like intimacy doesn't exist because remember we only have three emotions at 25 years old Mm -hmm. you don't have more than that so you Mm -hmm. don't understand like you definitely don't have love that's a very learned trait Mm -hmm. i think most people go through life saying i love you to people but not actually knowing what love is but their love is just a comfort and an attachment Mm -hmm. that they're tagging onto someone they're hitching their wagon and they're yeah. like, I'm just going to like ride with you. Yeah. How would you define love? That's something we ask our clients. About. We ask this, <laughs> yeah, our events, we ask this question a lot without using the word love. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's chat about how I feel. My best friend comes into town on Friday. Megan comes into town. I love Megan so much. It's also a very interesting one to use because we had a romantic love as well. So our love has had many shades to it. When I answered the phone yesterday, when Megan FaceTimed me, and I was in the middle of a work day. So I'll answer her call anytime. Mm-hmm. If I love you, your call gets answered anytime. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's not a lot of people that have that. If I love you, you're uh, my phone's on Do Not Disturb. You're on the list that can come through. <laughs> she called me the other day, and I set my phone up, and I just jumped up and down. Mm-hmm. I was jumping up and down with her on the phone. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> That's what love makes me feel. Yeah. Like, yeah. I yeah. grit my teeth. I, I clench my fist. Cute aggression. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> cute aggression. Yeah. Like, yeah. I just can't stop smiling. And like this morning, I was working out. I was on FaceTime with her and Jonathan. And my whole session, we were just chatting. Like my me time, I wanted her to be part of it. Mm. Um, I, you know, I feel the same way about really anyone who I love in my life is there's always space no matter what. Hmm. When I see the people that I love feeling any emotion, I can easily match that. Hmm. Like, I'm going to be there too. Hmm. If I see someone I love not happy, I get really angry, very protective. 
Like, who fucked with you? And do they have any idea? Oh, such an eight. What? Such an eight thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> I, that's how I would define love is you jump up and down when the person that you love calls you. <laughs> just can't quite control yourself because that's the only way that you can express how happy you are. It's like when a dog just can't yeah. stop wagging its tail. I just tail. got a visual of a golden retriever like, yeah. just going crazy meeting. So I have yeah. a golden retriever. Mm. I could see that. I could see that, yeah. 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 <laughs> and people who meet us are like, you have gold. I I'm actually shocked I didn't bring him today. Um, like I have golden retriever energy. Yeah, that's when a I question that we get a lot too. Really? Actually, is we're good at guessing people what kind of what kind of dogs. Yeah, people have. yeah, yeah. <laughs> a golden retriever is pretty obvious. Yeah, I guess it is. Um, but like, I'll get home and he's gonna come up and he's gonna like do this thing and then he's gonna like sit with his back towards me. So I'll scratch his his perfect spot and he'll just be so happy. And ever I go, he'll go. Like that's love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like mm-hmm. that's what love is. Yeah, and I, I would argue he's he's doing that because like he just accepts you yeah. for exactly as you are. He's yeah. not trying to change you. Yeah. Like even if you're in a shitty bad mood and you're stressed out and or you're angry or you're just not having a great day, like that reaction doesn't change. <laughs> just like the way that you described, you know, consoling your friends. It doesn't matter what mood your friend is in, if they're happy, sad, like it doesn't matter if your friend if your partner is hormonal or stressed out, like it's about showing up and supporting them no matter what. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not yeah. making them feel bad about how they're feeling or. Ooh, I don't mm. like I used to do that. Yeah. I used to do the whole. You shouldn't feel like that. Who <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the fuck are you now to tell someone else how they're supposed to be feeling? Yeah. 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 What do you think about love? What would your definition of love be? Uh, I'm an acts of service person. Yeah. It's my primary love language. So I view love as small daily sacrifices and small daily devotional things to your partner, mm. like making them breakfast every day or packing their lunch for work every day. Yeah. Um, small things that I go out of my way to do because I care. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. And, and you're very thoughtful. Like I... Like tying it back to the personality stuff too. Like I, for our first dating event, um, I was kind of stressed out about it. And in the Myers-Briggs, I'm a J. So, um, you know, J's like to always have lists and get things done. And yeah, yeah, I I always have a list and I love crossing things off my list. And she's a P, so she's not like that. P's are more like go with the flow. Okay. But she went out of her way on this day, knowing that I would be stressed out, to send me a text like every five minutes saying like, hey, babe, I just want to let you know that I set up the food. Chairs are set up. Like I just emailed this person, let them know that they're coming. And I know that's like not what she typically does. That's not yeah. how she typically thinks, but she knew I would appreciate that. Mm-hmm. So I think that that's also love, right? Like it's understanding how your partner is different from you and how your partner may receive and appreciate love differently. Yeah. You know, getting into the love languages and and going out of your way to um, make them feel appreciated in a way that's unique to them. Beautiful. So you guys host these events. Mm-hmm. And people are just getting to know each other at the events. But you know when they were getting ready beforehand, the nerves were hitting. <laughs> yeah. Especially for certain personality types. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you communicate with these personality types to make sure they show up? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well, yeah, we had we had a few people uh, reach out to us that and they were anxious. And to be honest, I, I told them I was anxious too. Yeah, we I were nervous that. too. I and I was, to be <laughs> honest. Like this, we 
have never put on events before. And oh my goodness, I have so much respect and appreciation for event planners now because it is mm-hmm. a lot. Um, but yeah, I think I think being, I mean, honesty and transparency and vulnerability goes very far in life. Like the way that we actually love to open up our dating events is to ask people like, who here is nervous? Raise your hand. And we immediately raise our <laughs> yeah, hands. <laughs> that's so funny. Oh my God. And so, then everyone so else starts to raise their yeah. hands and then they realize like, oh, it's not just me. Yeah. Because let's be serious. Like we all want connection. We all want deep, authentic connection, but it's also really freaking scary. Yeah. Did anyone not raise their hand? Yeah, there were a few. Yeah. How mm-hmm. did they do? I don't remember specifics, but I mean, everyone did. Everyone, yeah, everyone met some, uh, everyone had some good conversations, met some cool people. So Um, you guys have seen people starting to date. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's got to feel cool. We have one couple in particular. They're fours. They're both fours. (laughs) Okay. And And they're so, and they're both NFs. Okay. So intuitive feelers. Yeah. Yeah, and is that, that's highly compatible. Yes, yeah. intuitive uh, feelers do exceptionally well with other intuitive feelers. So their communications probably same same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just oh, on. so, so good. they get into a tiff. How would that? How would that go down? Like, I mean, they've. Uh, I'm I'm good friends with one of them, yeah. and she's she's also just a great communicator. And they they've. It sounds like they've had a couple of like small spats, but yeah. they've been able to you know, as Jess was talking about earlier, like just we're able to put each other in the other person's shoes and like talk calmly through it all. But yeah, yeah, that's, that's, I think it helps that they're both intuitive feelers and that they're both fours, right? Like kind of getting more into the technicality of the Myers-Briggs, you know, studies show that couples who have the same cognitive functions. So specifically the two middle letters in the Myers-Briggs, those dictate how you, take in information in the world and then process the information that you just took in. And then it also dictates how you make decisions based on what you just observed. Mm -hmm. So it would make sense that people who are both intuitive feelers or maybe two intuitive thinkers, they're seeing the world differently and their brains are thinking in a similar way. I don't know if you have your Mm -hmm. book here. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, (laughs) you're totally right. Uh, Like intuitive feelers, um, they're going to process it the same, take it in. Their brains are going to light up in the exact same places. We were put an EEG on them. Their brains are quite literally firing off in the same places. So they're just processing it the same way. So when conflict arises, they're going to solve the conflict in a similar way. Now, the issue, people don't have access to people like y'all and events like what you guys put on the way that people are meeting to date nowadays i um i don't subscribe to the whole meeting someone at a bar and taking that like super seriously when like there was some liquid intoxication the first Mm -hmm. time you guys met it's just a difficult precedent to start off a relationship in that manner Mm -hmm. I subscribe heavily to like very organic ways of meeting people. Like I would say what you guys are doing is a very organic way. Like you're, um, it's obviously more direct, um, funneled, but that's very organic. My thought process on dating apps has been very well established at this point. 2023, 2024, by the time this show drops, 
I mean, how the hell do you meet people? Mm, yeah. Yeah. And that's, uh, that is a need that we are really hoping to address with, with personality playbook. Um, for people, I mean, we do see ourselves expanding into multiple cities. And I do think there will always be an in-person component to personality playbook because people love that. <laughs> like nothing beats in-person connection. And, you know, at these events, we are also really creating a space for people to connect authentically. Like it's not like a typical speed dating event where people are just giving like a quick little elevator spiel about, you know, the whole like, how long have you been in Austin? Like, oh, two years. Like, uh, oh, where did you move from? Like, yeah, we don't Austin. care. Like, oh, thank goodness it's not California. Like, if I have to have one more of those, like, draining. Skip the small talk. Yeah. Don't small men. <laughs> yeah. Don't small talk women. Um, yeah. Here's a great one that I have. This one's elite. You see someone you're interested in and they're reading a book. How's mm -hmm. this book make you feel? Mm, I love that. That's a good one. Someone walks up to you and asks that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're having a convo. Yeah, like, that just lights up my little interview. Yes. <laughs> like, yeah, just ask me questions good. about how I'm feeling yeah. and my hopes and dreams. How does that make you feel? <laughs> yeah. Or, wow, you've been really studious with your work for a couple hours. Like, yeah. you ever take a break and just yeah. do something for yourself? Well, yeah. now they're thinking when's the last time they did something for themselves. Mm. The small the small talk's disgusting. I will say, if you're like meeting someone for a third or fourth time, like, all right, maybe we should get some backstory. <laughs> <laughs> all right, look, this is going amazing. How long have you been in Austin? Like, I just, like, just so you know, right? Man, right out the gate, because all you're doing is fitting in with everyone else. Dating in 2023 and 2024, it'll only be exponentiated as a numbers game, especially when there's access on your mobile phone to hundreds of thousands of people that you can reach right now through social media platforms, through dating apps, through yada, yada. And these people are getting asked the exact same questions you're saying. Men, do not approach a woman and tell her how attractive she is, unless it is unbelievably well-intended. And you're not like, really, if you just want to make someone smile, that's great. Mm -hmm. You want to like build some with this one? That sh she's been told a million times, and she goes on her Instagram, and there's twelve people that have DM'd her in the last ten minutes and said the same thing. Yeah. Go ahead. If she's Go a ahead. high value woman, you know she's not going to want you to comment on her appearance. There are ten other attributes yeah. that she's much more proud of than the way she looks. The way she's walking. Yeah. The, the 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 way that she holds her shoulders when she's sitting or yeah. you know, doing whatever, and and women. Stop commenting on dudes' beards and muscles. <laughs> Stop because you 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 were the thirtieth one that night that asked if you could touch my arms, and it was just weird. <laughs> don't don't do it. Just just don't. The physical stuff just. If that hits on somebody, then wow, you really don't have yourself a you know high value individual there, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, noticing little things on somebody. One of my best friends he's in an unbelievably committed relationship now but his thing used to be your shoes because he was a big shoe guy mm -hmm. i would watch this guy go up and compliment some woman's shoes and like 15 minutes later they're like dancing and i'm like hell no <laughs> what make you compliment her, her, her shoes like mm. but no one else had done that that whole night because when women 
I would love for you guys to speak on what men need to be doing that they're not. I'm going to speak, or um, what women need to be doing that they're not. I'm going to speak on what men need to be doing. Men need to put themselves in women's positions. Before that woman went out that night, she hyper analyzed her outfit so many times and the way she's doing her hair, the way that she's doing everything. She looked in the mirror a hundred times that night before she went out. And honestly, like men should probably do that more too. Like there's times I'll go through two or three outfits before I like go out. And I know it's like not a lot for, for, you know, women, but for men, like that's kind of a lot of effort and you want to look good and everything was intentionally selected. So if you compliment her selection on something that she chose, you are highlighting something that like no one else, no one else is going to highlight that. You comment her earrings, you comment her necklace, you comment like whatever the case may be, and it's genuine, that's a big item. But number two, it has to be packed with intentions. If you tell your boys like, oh man, like, I want to go with that chick tonight. Like, I'm going to go mm-hmm. talk to her. She feels that on you. Yeah. She yeah. feels that up in your energy. It does. Yeah, you can't hide it that. It does. You have to curate a safe space. Mm-hmm. You, you have to be able to have them feel safe in your energy. If they're with friends, you, you got to get the friends on your side. I, like, I would approach the friends before I approach the, the, the woman. Like, I wouldn't be friends with all of them and then be like, oh, I didn't even notice you were there. Mm-hmm. I'm Chelsea, Mm -hmm. you know, nice to Mm -hmm. meet you. You men are very shark in the water esque as it pertains to their approach in the dating scene where it's point A to point B. And it just doesn't work that way um, with women who are actually worthwhile of your time, who are actually going to like raise your vibrational frequency. You're going to be able to bring anything positive into your life. And if you can just walk up to someone and be like, hey, you're hot, and then you hook up that night, like, dude, you both lost. Like, you both are low-key just kind of mm-hmm. losers. Mm-hmm. I really feel that way. Yeah. Um, so men need to just put themselves more in a female's position. And also understand, if you're meeting someone, like in a one-on-one setting, say, the example I, I always use is like Town Lake. Um, like, you're walking around the trail. Do you meet someone in like a one-on-one setting, like a really vulnerable position? Like they probably got music in, they probably like whatever. I think it's an amazing place to meet someone because like if you see someone, it catches your eye. Like how you know you're gonna see them again? You know? Yeah, um, I mean, it can't always hurt to just like wave and try to make eye contact. Yeah. And you know, if if they take the AirPods out, then it's like okay, that's yeah. an open pass go. Yeah, 100%. yeah. If they keep it in, keep them in, look away. Like. It's fine. Like, yeah. good for you for... Don't fucking tap someone on their shoulder. Yeah. My yeah. Shoulder, Don't invade their personal space. My shoulder got tapped mm. very recently, and I was... Yeah. I was very angry about that. Yeah. Because that's just like... The boundary. Yeah. Touch me. Uh, but that was a woman tapping my shoulder, and I felt that way. Imagine how a woman feels when a dude taps her shoulder. Mm-hmm. Terrifying. Yeah. And then, like, just like throws his phone in her hands and is like, You're hot. Give me your number. Like, no, absolutely not. Yeah. I don't really. Yeah. That's, that's just strange. What do women need to be doing better? Hmm. Um, well, I think, yeah. I mean, there are a few things I want to say here. Um, I, I feel like there are, I mean, this is like a a big general statement and also like speaking from my own experience, like I feel like I used to date um, trying to like prove myself to this person, 
Mm. When like, it's really about like, because I feel like a lot of like, I know I really struggled with self-worth and and confidence growing up and, um, you know, just kind of like letting men like walk all over me. And, um, you know, it should be about like, I'm interviewing this person to date me, to have the privilege of dating me because I know what I want now. I didn't know what I wanted many years ago. I know what I want. I know what I value. I know what I'm looking for. And if it's not that, then it's okay. I don't need this person in my life anymore. I, I can have this, I can let this interaction end now. Yeah. But yeah, I think there are too many women, and again, big generalization, but I, there are a lot of women settling and um, yeah, just, just not knowing their worth. And it like really hurts me and it really yeah, crushes being me. Being the chooser, <laughs> not being chosen. Like you want to go with that chooser energy, not that choose, like choose me, please energy. Yeah, yeah. Desperate. Uh, you should treat it like yeah. an interview, um, not a, a pick me, pick me sort of interaction. Yeah. And like, they'll feel that energy, right? Like, I mean, we all get anxious. We all get nervous before dates, right? Like, and like, maybe there's a little bit of like, fake it till you make it. But like, at the end of the day, it's just like being yourself. And if the person um, doesn't accept you or like has an issue with that, then I mean, you don't yeah. need them in your life. Yeah. It's, a, it's a job and you should treat it like a job interview. I mean, this person is technically interviewing for the most important position in your life. Yeah. And you should be asking for their credentials <laughs> and treating it almost like a job interview. Yeah. yeah. Like a literal resume. Like yeah. Freaking resume. Like, do you have, are you the person that should fill the most important role in my life? Yeah. Yeah. There's women who don't want men to have a lot of female friends. Mm, yeah some jealousy yeah, mm, yeah. i th i feel like being a guy that would be the biggest red flag of all time if another male didn't have like if a male didn't have female friends because that would tell me that you don't know how to just be friends with somebody yeah yeah what do you think about that yeah i feel like that sounds very very controlling yeah. um and yeah it tells me that they have some some jealousies some jealousy and some insecurity there but there's some guys that then on the opposing side of that, there's guys that are like, well, all of your guy friends just want to fuck you. Yeah, they do say that. And sometimes I say maybe they do, <laughs> but I don't want to fuck them. So <laughs> and I don't let it at that. <laughs> and I've also been yeah. practicing setting boundaries with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Communicating the boundary is... Um, so I... I have a ton of female friends. A lot of them will have boyfriends. And the one thing to not do to what I'm putting together being a th three and an eight particularly, don't try to fucking big dog me. <laughs> don't try. Don't try to alpha dog me. Don't do This is not that. And like, if you wanted to make it a competition, I just, I don't think this is going to end particularly well. Why? 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 Why do we do that? Like, that's tacky, right? I feel like it makes it look like it's like insecurity and in what you're bringing to the table, like as a man. But I just listened to a podcast recently where this female was talking about how women kind of do the same thing on a very subconscious level, mm. where this, this always this competition, like with every other female. And it was an absolutely enlightening episode. It was, um, she did some research studies, whatever you want to call it, on this beautiful, beautiful woman. 
walking into this room with only other women and seeing how they reacted to her. And the same woman was just dressed. Uh, she was then dressed very first classy, then provocatively, and then she was like really dressed down. And in all of the, there was maybe 30 or 40 instances, it, the outcome was the exact same in every single one. The super provocatively dressed woman got heat kind of cast towards her. The classy woman was just like an acknowledgement. And then like when she wasn't looking very attractive, there, like she was just like there. Mm -hmm. I find that quite fascinating, and I'm not sure how that applies to dating, but I do know that there is a psychologist that has really shaken some things up in terms of uh, the, the masculine-feminine dynamics and stating a man's partner dictates how highly valued he is in a room where other women are present. Because mm. if he walks in with the prettiest girl in the room, but he's not the most attractive man in the room. All of a sudden, it elevates the attention that other people, other women want to get from him. Because, well, if I got some of his attention, then I must be as pretty as her. Or maybe mm. he desires me more than he desires her. And there's like a feather in the cap type of situation. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think about that? Yeah, I would think that, uh, I mean, yeah, masculine feminine dynamics i would say like that woman gave his made his masculine energy stand out more highlighted it put a spotlight on it yeah yeah and so they were they were drawn to that and yeah i think you know we've we've talked about this a little bit like like masculine and feminine like feminine like femininity what is like a feminine woman what does that even mean um and yeah i feel what like what does that mean to you mm-hmm well, yeah, I mean, like, it's it's been an evolving thing, right? Like, I feel like back in the day, I thought, like, being feminine was dressing really promiscuously and, like, being, like, trying to be, like, that really attractive woman on that man's arm and wearing a lot of makeup and, like, doing my hair and getting injections. And yeah. I thought that was being feminine. I mean, that's maybe looking feminine. Mm -hmm. But I think what I've, you know, what, I think what we what we learned through growing up is, like a feminine woman is is about it's it's about being compassionate and nurturing and like soft and receptive. Mm -hmm. And I feel like with the feminine movement, I feel like that created a lot of very masculine women. Did. And now we have a lot of very masculine women running running around yes. emasculating men. And now we have a lot of feminine men running around. And, you know, it was good intentions at first. It was like, okay, how can we keep up with men in this society? But I think we got it wrong. Like we were thinking like, how do we, how do we act more like men? And it's not about acting like men. We can still do the things that men do, like be CEOs and be the founders of businesses, but we can do it in a more compassionate, more receptive, accepting way. Like it doesn't have to be like this go, 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 do, do, do mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. type of mindset. Mm -hmm. And um, that's like a, been a big part of my journey too, is allowing myself to be that more feminine one in a relationship. Mm -hmm. Because as an Enneagram three, the three is all about production. So that's a very masculine energy. Yeah. So I was very in my masculine for like most of my life and most of my 20s. I was all about just trying to get ahead and get promotions and start businesses. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and yeah, it made sense why I was attracting kind of like more feminine men. Um, and yeah, so I think like another just recommendation or for like me to continue and for other women is like, let ourselves continue to be like soft and receptive, like to allow the men in our world to show up more in their masculine, like let them plan that date, let them make some dinner. Mm -hmm. We can still do those things every once in a while too, but like let ourselves be in a position to just receive more. Mm -hmm. I think you're right. The feminist movement was very much so started with great intentions. And now we've ended up with this large divide between two genders in our country. Like I said, we're, we're, we're seeing it on a post where I'm just simply saying, Hey, cut the negativity towards women. And you see this unbelievable divide of people arguing with each other for days. Like there's the same people are arguing for three days now, like back with one another. It created hyper feminine men and hyper masculine women because the men are running around feeling a bit insecure about exactly who they are, what they are, where they're going because they were told not to be very masculine because that was toxic to society. Meanwhile, the men or the women have been told, step up, mm. do the grunt work, handle your business. You are in charge. You are the one in power. And all of those things can be true, mm -hmm. but you still be nurturing and you know, yeah. soft and, yeah. and playful. And like, play, yeah. I feel the most feminine when I'm like just being playful and silly. And yeah. like I think of feminine energy, it's it's like water, which is very flowy. Yeah. And like the masculine is like a container. And then the feminine energy is like the water that fills the container and it's adaptable. It can fill to whatever container it's in. Yeah. Like that's a beautiful quality. Like let's just lead more mm -hmm. from that quality. We can still be CEOs. We can still be successful in this capitalist society, but from a softer, more receptive, adaptable place. Mm -hmm. And yeah, allow men to lead from the hard container yeah. place. <laughs> Men have to be willing to step into that hard container place, though. Mm -hmm. And a lot of men are very hurt and damaged by the demasculinization that's occurred. I mean, I, I've heard about it in my life since I was eight or nine years old. Yeah. yeah. Um, it started in school mm -hmm. and it carries over into professional workforce. And like I worked at a large corporation through high school and for one man, there had to be one woman. That's cool. That's great. That's awesome. But are we not looking at skill sets and intangibles and we're just looking at genders now? Because, you know, what if there was more women qualified and more men qualified for like this you know, as a freaking high school position? But even just having that shows segregation. Just like... We are we're allowed to drink out of the same water fountain, right? Like that's almost the point that it that it felt like it got to in terms of the demasculinization of men. But now you're seeing it manifest as I'm 30th. I think we're all around the same age. We've seen it manifest, and it's turned into well, who do women date? So now women are more prone to turning towards dating each other. <laughs> and you know, which it does make sense. Like women are very beautiful. There's more beautiful women than there are 
good-looking men. Mm-hmm. Women take pristine care of themselves. And there are so many masculine women now. There's so, so many masculine <laughs> women. So they're already in this role. And a feminine energy is going to desire a, a masculine inner most, uh, mm-hmm. most of the time. And so while well, this person can feel it better than this person can, they just happen to have the same reproductive parts that I have, and we'll just figure the rest out later on. And there's a lot more people taking that approach. Yeah, I've seen it. Not that that's a negative thing, yet I think it's a clear byproduct of the feminist movement that that occurred. And then the other part, so now the feminist movement occurred. So now you've got a whole bunch of men that are just pissed about it. And so now every man that sides with woman is a male feminist, which I've been called probably a thousand times in the last day or so. <laughs> Even though I'm, you know, anti a lot of things that a feminist movement would like essentially empower, not anti, I'm just not on board with it. But I, you, you get put into this label because, oh, you stood up for the women. Well, at some point, there's going to be a real come out that women are going to be pissed about and they're going to call me misogynist. <laughs> and so now everything has a label because you're at war with each other. So, like, you're not just divine. You're either good or you're bad. Yeah, I don't think we can fix this. I don't think we can fix this. Do you think there's a fix for this? I mean, <laughs> because this is this is generational stuff. Yeah, I don't think it's something that... um will be healed overnight. But I think that there is an answer that lies in learning more about yourself. Mm. Mm. Like that that feels like the answer for a lot of things. Yeah, doing the work. Sit down and do the work. Yeah, Yeah. too much reductionist thinking. You're right. Reductionist thinking is why we have all of these issues. The group think. Well, um, you know, Fox News or CNN News told me to do this. So that's just who I am. That's yeah. It. Now ask yourself those questions. Like, what's important to me? Like, who am I? What are my strengths? What do I want? Yeah. Like, not what someone else is telling me yeah. I want. And but that's people like are so scary... programmed. People are yeah. so oh, yeah. programmed. Yeah. And the subconscious mind is always listening. Yeah. Always listening to the TV, radio. I mean, we wonder why uh, their divorce rates are so high when, I mean, Things like Selling Sunset are great, right? But like when yep. sells, when shows like that and the Real Housewives are running in the background, and I totally used to be someone who used to watch those shows all the time. I loved them. I loved Bravo. Um, but <laughs> I, I could see that. <laughs> yeah, Me too. actually. Me too. <laughs> well, Me too. Yeah. yeah, and it mirrored my relationships. My relationships were just as toxic because the mind is always listening, even if we, we don't think that it is. And I, I think I don't really find those shows interesting anymore and yeah. I, I feel like that's a good thing that's it speaks to my growth it means but, you're growing as human yeah yeah but it makes sense why i was attracted to them mm-hmm. in my 20s because it was validating the tox the toxicity that i was attracting in my relationships because i was like well if at least what i'm seeing on tv is worse than what's actually happening in my life then i'm doing okay i guess fascinating there's uh the same you are who you spin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your top yeah. six people. Are- yeah, yeah. I I firmly believe this isn't my original thought, but I firmly just believe you are a sum mm-hmm. of the five media outlets that you consume the most. Right now is a cool time of year for me because 
the Spotify wrap ups are coming out. <laughs> and I was told today there was 300, 3,000 and should I have the numbers on me? 3,800 some people that I was their number one podcast. Wow. wow. Congratulations. Yeah, I, I, I appreciate that. Um, I have this thing. I'm not ever right or wrong. I just want to challenge the way that people think. And I'm just a culmination of my life experiences to this point. I feel like my thought processes are fluid as if I am constantly looking to prove myself wrong and to have a new viewpoint. If I, I don't think that's an appropriate way for everybody to live because there's some sort of dissatisfaction that comes with knowing you're never going to have the answers that you really desire to have. Yet I think more people just need to simply keep really open-minded with things. And if you are told something that makes you so angry that you have an emotional negative response to it, take that and harness it and use it and challenge yourself and grow from it and identify what's going on and work through it. Because yeah. this, this political-like subculture that's gotten into our social handlings of other people and our emotional responses is pathetic. And I think it's being really divisive. Yeah, yeah. And it's if like the thing that I would love to, to ask my coaching clients is like, ask yourself, like, what part of you is being triggered by this? Yeah. Like we all need to be taking more responsibility for, for, for us getting triggered by situations, right? Like if, if you spot something, like you got it. Like if something, if, if something about someone bothers you, that means that you also have an aspect of that in yourself, right? Oh, yeah. You're so right. It's an invitation spot. to look at. Yeah, look, yeah. go inward. Like, you don't need to, like, like let them go do their thing. Like, you don't have to interact with them. But if they're pissing you off, like, ask yourself, what part of me is pissed off by them doing this thing or saying this thing? And just start by simply asking that question and just see See what you happens. can become self-aware overnight by simply framing these triggers into being growth points. Yeah, you can exactly. later become self-aware like They're that. invitations to look deeper in yourself. That's all. A trigger is just a, 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 it's a pause to take a moment and look at yourself. Is a trigger a pattern break, you think, for people? Would that break a pattern? Yeah. yeah if they you always watch Fox News and then you walk in and CNN's on, CNN is on, you get triggered. <laughs> yeah, that would kind of be like a... Yeah, ask yourself. Yeah, like ask yourself why, why, why is this? I mean, I think it depends on how deep the pattern is, yeah, and how open-minded the person is. Like, I love what you mentioned about, yeah, the the importance of being open-minded and also realizing that truth is also always relative. Mm -hmm. Like our perception of reality, it's our truth is limited by our previous experiences yeah. and our our environment and, and every so human you interact with and we're so much more connected now than ever in terms of the social platform but i do agree with people that say we're more disconnected than ever in terms of handling one's emotions and life experiences we're all just cultivations of everything that we've been through and if you don't know that a person's entire life story then you don't know where they're coming from what angle there is and that's why i will always until i'm proven otherwise by some data that gets presented to me none of us are right or wrong we're yeah. all just culminations of everything that's happened to us. Yeah. Yeah, but you're you're also an intuitive feeler. So I would argue a lot of 
thinkers out there would disagree with you. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm going to have them on the show. <laughs> I need some healthy debate. <laughs> or unhealthy. Yeah. 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 Uh, Jess, Jen, you guys are awesome. I really Thank appreciate you. you taking out time. There's some super valuable stuff in here, and you gave me some things to uh, journal about in the car here before I start my, uh, my track home. So I really appreciate that a ton. Your guys' info is going to be in the show notes, but I do want to say, I th- I can see this thing turning really impactful. I, I think this can be something that can overtake the toxic dating apps. So stick with it and, and, and see it through. And anyway, I can support them here. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Justin. Yeah, really absolutely. It. Absolutely. We'll see you guys next time. Peace. Bye.